Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 110 of the F1 show for coverage of the Bahrain Grand Prix. That did happen. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lowe, and it's a little bit of a crazy show this week. I am not on site with you, Robin. We are live connected via Skype, but I am in England, of all places, in what I believe is called Toddington. Um, not a real name. You made that up. Which I'm it does convinced. not sound like a real place, right? I no, think it, it is. actually is. I am here. It's right next to Oz. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so the, the first thing, yeah, really is that the Bahrain Grand Prix did actually happen. There was lots of back and forth about that whole thing. Um, it happened, and as far as we know, no major concerns. I mean, we had a couple people involved in, uh, in sort of some other issues that were going on, but nothing that was directly wrong with the Grand Prix, I think, is, uh, is fa- so fair to say at this point. Yeah, I think no major concerns in terms of people directly related with Formula One. The the end result of this event and it taking place and the you know, protests that happen and some of the reactions to the protests, some of that sounds potentially pretty terrible. And I think the full fallout of this event actually taking place is probably going to um, unfold and realize in the next few weeks. But uh, for now, we can just be happy that, at least to this point, uh, no one involved with Formula One community was hurt and the event seemed to go pretty well and even seemed to be fairly popular in terms of grandstands being full and things like that. Yeah, and we can talk a bit more about the sort of the political implications with F1 and the media and the way everybody has seen the media, or the seen F1 uh, around the world, because a lot of this does transcend just motorsport news. You know, this became actual political news and sort of international news as well. So it's definitely... Uh, could take some time to sort of shake out with what uh, everyone has seen. But um, to skip ahead a little bit, um, we've got, I, I guess we can, you know, we want to talk through qualifying a little bit and uh, some of the, the race itself. Well, I think in lieu of, of, of our circumstances here, I think we can just skip right into everything else. And uh, qualifying real quickly was exciting. We had a new person on pole uh, in Sebastian Vettel with a Renault-powered engine, by the way. And, uh, but I, I mean, we've got special circumstances. I think we should take advantage of them. Fair enough. Uh, so I, I will bring in our first guest and I guess, well, yeah, we've got our, we've got our regular host and then, uh, uh, our number one fan now, Craig, the kilt Wilson has, uh, has graciously been part of this whole logistics of this event. So, uh, welcome Craig. Thank you. Nice <laughs> to be here. Listen to that. Hey Craig, how are you? <laughs> Fine, it's good to hear you saying my name correctly. <laughs> I'm sorry, Craig. Yes, good, oh. good, good. We've been working very hard on that at, at F1 Show headquarters. Uh, so first of all, you know, thanks for sort of helping organize this whole event. Um, you know, major shout out to uh, to Sarah and Mark for hosting us here and having a uh, a lovely presentation here and. You know, basically, Mark, for helping uh, putting that together and really, I guess, getting the Hornets in, uh, involved in the whole thing here. Four Hornets. Yeah, we've got, we've got a, a, a load of Hornets here. It's, uh, you know, I was expecting a little bit more of a reaction every time we saw Christian Horner on TV. I thought there might be like a little kind of like a wave going through the audience or <laughs> something like that. Yeah, just an overall swoon. Uh, well, how did, they react? how did they react when uh, Christian Horner got doused with rose water? Did, they, uh, did the room heat up a little bit? Just a bit, yeah. They, um, <laughs> they, they liked the rose water shower. <laughs> Always a popular moment. <laughs> so, 
we should talk through the, the race a little bit. Uh, we've got race analyst Craig the Kilt here with us uh, with, with full results here and everything right in front of him. So uh, you want to talk through a little bit of uh, what we saw today? Not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> all, well, all I can say is bloody Vettel. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, and where is Button? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Craig is one of the staunchest McLaren supporters I know, and it does not surprise me that he is unhappy with the results. The fact that Renault-powered machines covered the top four, which means the best any McLaren could have done was fifth, and they didn't. So uh, I I can imagine Craig is not the happiest camper right now. Yeah, we saw promising, uh, you know, uh, you know Hamilton looking uh, pretty pretty good off the start, but then with pit stop trouble after pit stop trouble, that really fell apart for him. Um, you know Button uh, again not improving a whole lot throughout the race, uh, but then actually had you know tire problems at the very end and had to come in and just and, or and then the exhaust falling off the car and the car sounding terrible. I mean just you know it really kind of came unglued I guess for them. And uh, you know we might as well say I guess you know Sebastian Vettel. From pole, just cruised on to victory. It's uh, 2011 all over again, I guess. But uh, there was a couple of fun moments with uh, Kimi Raikkonen midway through the race, and that was, you know, I think after our our McLaren boys kind of fell out or whatever, and our prediction uh, Hamilton uh, was was not in there anymore. It was really just a case of, uh, you know, I was starting rooting for Kimi at that point as kind of an underdog, but uh, starting to look pretty racy. Yeah, I think um, I think that. Uh saying Vettel cruised to victory is not giving Raikkonen quite enough credit you know he put pressure on he put pressure on Vettel enough so that uh, Vettel could not complete a cooldown lap he had to stop immediately after the checkered flag at the uh, exit of the pits because they were concerned about not having enough fuel for the FIA to test so it certainly was not an easy event for Vettel and uh, the fact that it was Kimi Raikkonen Kimi Raikkonen in a Renault that finished second and pushed Vettel to that place is just a whole nother shakeup of what's going to come for the rest of 2012 and just really exciting for us to watch. And being a huge Kimi Raikkonen fan myself, that was that was fun uh, just in general to see. Yeah, because so far we've had obviously four different winners uh, in four different cars, and it doesn't seem that crazy to say we could have a Renault victory or Lotus victory, as we should say, uh, you know, sometime coming up in the season. So it really is continuing to be crazy. And, uh, you know, some people have said this is the return. Okay, Red Bull's back on top. Of course, this is where they're going to be. This is where they have been. Uh, but uh, I'm not so sure. It's still shaking out differently every time. Um, and then obviously we've got Mercedes, uh, which not doing so well today, but, uh, you know, obviously coming up on their form. Well, what's going to be really fascinating is Spain – not only is Spain the beginning of Europe where everyone's a lot closer to their factories and everything else, but um, they have uh, you know three weeks until Spain and a test. So there really could be another huge shake-up between the performance of the cars now and the performance of the cars in Spain because a lot of new parts could be added and uh, tested and you know who knows who know who's going to make a big step you know maybe Sauber's going to be quick again maybe Force India is really going to capitalize on their momentum maybe STR is going to come up with something pretty sweet uh, maybe McLaren's going to come back and dominate I mean there's so many possibilities right now because everyone seems to be reasonably close indeed are they going to are Mercedes going to get any better with their W duct <laughs> Will everybody else copy it? I doubt it now. It doesn't seem worth it. 
that's been a big uh, part of controversy is not controversy, but debate. Is it worth spending the money to integrate something when it wasn't initially part of the car? It's going to be more expensive for any other team to do than Mercedes. And it doesn't seem to necessarily indicate them dominating qualifying this season. So just like uh, Craig said, it may not be worth doing. Yeah, it looked pretty pretty great after Rosberg's victory last weekend. But, uh, you know, to see the cars not just being amazing today uh, and, you know, obviously the, you know, Red Bulls, you know, their updates are doing well. Their their formula, the solid car overall, that uh, it's not just about a trick aerodynamic device, but really, uh, you know, just the overall package still is, uh, is kind of the case. Um, we've got an exciting new development on this side. Um, we've lost <laughs> Craig the Kilt, but... I've got, and uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself with, is, uh, tell me, I guess, what you do. I'm a representative of Red Bull. Um, I could be just a fan as a representative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could be an employee. Um, you have a name or maybe not? Uh, I'd rather remain <laughs> nameless at the moment. Sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> much to the mouth of a, the audience. <laughs> this is a... This is an F1 show exclusive. We may or may not have a Red Bull fan on the show. That well, is incredible. You count yourselves lucky for that. <laughs> you found this man with a Red Bull t-shirt. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, I w- wouldn't like to be drawn on, on anything to do with the car or the results of the season thus far. <laughs> so, you enjoying this nice weather we're having? I guess, what can I ask you about? Anything? Um, yeah. I could be licking an ice cream now, um, and perhaps I could have just come back from the toilet, but um, I think somebody else has already cornered that part of the monosyllabic uh, responses. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> Not sure how to follow oh. that up, I guess. <laughs> Am I allowed to say toilets on, Ameri- on American podcasts? I know you guys are very sensitive about that sort of... Oh, you know, as a podcast, we're not. The FCC doesn't know about us. We can say anything we want. Uh, we have, you know, found our foots in our mouths once or twice before, so uh, this would be nothing new. So, nondescript individual that may or may not like Red Bull, what did you think of the race today? To be honest, it was uh, nicely boring. Um... From from my perspective, uh, the pit stops were very dull. Uh, the, the race strategy was generally fairly dull, and the result was the sort of dull that we like. Um, a full a full haul of points as far as um, the German driver is concerned, and um, another solid fourth for um, Mr. Weber. So yeah, a fairly good day in Bahrain. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. I guess that's a sensible certain- answer. For certain individuals, dull days are very good days. Is that that is well, the case? Exactly. For the armchair enthusiast, the season has been um, quite enjoyable, hasn't it? There's been lots of uh, lots of changes of tack from various from various individuals, which hasn't been so so boring for us. But now we um, now we've made it to the top. Um, you can see um, Mr. Wilson uh, obviously finding that uh, very, very painful to take. But yes. being the eternal sportsman that he is, he, he shook my hand after the event. Well, actually, I'm still waiting for that. Um, and uh, I think, yes, it's uh, just business as normal. And uh, probably there will be a lotus on the top step come Spain. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, that's, that is a bold prediction right there. And the question will be, will it be piloted by a Finn or a Frenchman? 
I'd like to see a Frenchman, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, he, he does very, have a nice smile, doesn't he? He has a very nice smile. He's uh, giving uh, Daniel a bit of a run for his money. Um, yeah, very nice smile. Uh, very, very nice to see him finishing in a couple of races now on the trot. Um, yeah, yeah, it'd be good for him to to, to uh, step up and, uh, and even even make it second. Um, obviously, because Sebastian will be will be first. Um, but. Um, <laughs> The fans are liking that here in here in Toddington Studio. Um, but ultimately, um, we've got testing coming up in Mugello. Um, God knows what teams are going to be doing there. Um, obviously, I couldn't couldn't tell you what uh, Red Bull are doing because I'm just a fan. Um, <laughs> but uh, Spain not is not far away. Um, there's going to be lots of updates from all teams. I'm sure um, it could all be a, another turnaround again. Actually, that is one quick question I do have for you. As a fan, what is Red Bull going to be doing exactly? Um, promoting the brand. Um, ah, okay. Uh, basically saying lots of phenomenals, hopefully, um, and lots of agreeable statements um, if things are going well. And then if things aren't going quite so well, we're going to wheel out a representative that maybe just rubs everybody else up the wrong way and doesn't necessarily make the, the brand as um, fantastic as it should be. But ultimately, um, we're always going to be on song promoting the brand because that's what we're about. Fantastic. So uh, when... Uh when a this weekend is exclusive goes, here, by the way. You don't hear this commentary yeah. anywhere else. This is F1 show, <laughs> you know, exclusive material we've got. When a, when a weekend goes well for you, how long does that last before, as a fan, uh, it starts getting more stressful again and you have to um, kind of get back to the grindstone? Normally by Monday morning, um, when you know, it's all sunk in and... You know, I'm back to work, just working in my nine to five job in the office. Um, yeah, that's when that's when just you know the realities of F1 disappear again, and I've just got my nine to five job. Got it. Understood. Now, was your nine to five job last year was probably a pretty good job, um, pretty happy morale around your workplace? Um, no, no, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know about that. No. Um, no, ultimately it's just a job. Same, same as everybody else's Boy, job. We're, we're getting nothing. All right. <laughs> um, keep pushing is is the job. Yeah, I suppose it has to be right to uh, to what, take a good start of the season to make that a good rest of the season and of course off season. Yeah, basically, basically um, the results on the track don't really dictate what goes on. I would guess. Yeah. I, again, I wouldn't really know. <laughs> Well, I, would guess that, I would guess that they don't really make much difference to what's going on in the design office and in the factory. Everyone's just working flat out. Everything's flat out. Shuffling papers around or whatever they do. Spinning yeah. things around on screens and shuffling papers takes a, takes a lot out of you. All right. As, as, as a fan, is it harder for you to enjoy just sitting back on a Sunday afternoon watching the races? Or is that... Is that still bring you back to the same place you would be if you were um, just a fan? <laughs> well, I think being just a fan, I can obviously put myself in the shoes of, well, I can guess what it might be like for somebody that actually had a direct involvement. Um, uh-huh. So obviously those, those nervous moments when, when cars are tussling or when you know, 
when things are maybe dropping off the car and you maybe think, well, some poor person might have their name on that drawing, that, that <laughs> particular component. So that could be possibly stressful. I could put myself in their, in their shoes, certainly. But uh, no, I just didn't, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, as, as a fan, I, I enjoy it. If you could indulge us and put yourself in that person's shoes one more time, is there, is there ever a circumstance where the commentator says something properly stupid like, oh, I think that they're doing this because this means that. Does that really, like, oh, get your goat, or do you just laugh? Um, I just laugh, because at the end of the day, I, I know only what I read in, in various publications uh, like like this, which... Um, We've got an autosport magazine Which here. is a good read, but um, I think it might be brought to us in association with McLaren. Um... <laughs> Because they do like putting Jensen on the cover, which he's a handsome man. But he's a pretty man. Um, I don't think he'll justify his place on the cover this week, but you never know. Ooh. He was robbed or something like that, maybe, maybe the headline. So anyway, I read um, in these, these mighty organs um, all, all the interest and um, technical goings-on about cars, and that's where, that's where I learn about cars. So then when I listen to the commentators... <coughs> I can, I can listen to their comments and listen to the comments that I've read and, and compare the two, compare and contrast. Fair Understood. <laughs> it is just amazing the, the fans you find on the street, isn't it, Jim? Yeah, uh, it's, just, it's just like that over here in England. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like that over here in, in the States if it were, uh, if it were NASCAR in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. You can run into that as well. Yeah, and it's so very. How how many F one fans are there in America? Is it is there enough to fill up a well? Austin, there or? were there were oh, two, Carl, but then, there were two, but then Jim went to England, so ah right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm I'm waving the flag as as fast. No, we we it's it's we actually America is a big enough place. I mean, you think about it, we're over 300 million people. So even as a very low percentage of fans, there's still a lot of fans here. They're just spread out among you know. Lots and lots of people. As a percentage, it's have, fairly low. Have the fans forgotten Indianapolis? Do you think all the all the dreadful racing that was going on there? I think they, they have because yes. because you have to be so much more of a of a nerd to get into F one in the U S. You have to wake up early on on you know on Sunday mornings. You have to find the news; it won't find you. So people are so much more into it that all the F one all the U S based F one fans we talk to. Um, are, are following all the developments and looking at all the new tracks and you know know about the U.S. Grand Prix and then the New York uh, circuit that's coming up and all that. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of interest and and I think people will. It's, it, I don't think it's as simple as oh well the track at it, uh, at Indy was no good so I'm never going to go to one again. It's a little more nuanced than that I think. They're possibly a little, little bit more discerning then than the average Brit that um, would would blindly follow McLaren. Nothing wrong with McLaren, but they've just got two British drivers, and they seem to say, "Well, I will support them to the ends of the earth." Yeah. Which, hey, there's nothing wrong with being patriotic, but sometimes there's there's more to it than that. For example, me being a fan of a certain team, um, just maybe because I like drinking their product, perhaps. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, there are obviously other energy-based drinks uh, that are available, but um, I like a particular one with a, with a sort of a, a, a rouge bovine creature on, on the, <laughs> the packaging. Not to put too fine a point on it. Yeah. <laughs> a rouge bovine creature. Yes, that's a, 
That's exactly how I would describe it as well. Uh, every time I go to the store, I'm like, can I have that uh, that energy drink with the rouge bovine? What's the what's the name of that stuff? I cannot, but it's a rouge bovine creature on the bottle. Have one of those, please. I really wouldn't have a clue. I wouldn't have a clue. Can I, um, can I have a rouge bovine creature in vodka, please? Do you ever try that at the bar? Oh, of course, of course. Um, I'm sure we invented it. Well, we, we've we've got a we've got um, binge drinking uh, down to a fine art in this country. I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> we must have made it over to, over to the states. Yes, we have heard we have heard the news about it from time to time. So, um, yeah, well, it's been fantastic to talk to you, and uh, and it, I'm glad to hear your perspective on on the race. Which, I mean. It was was an interesting race, and by Bahraini standards, was a fantastic was a race, race for this by Grand Prix. Yeah. That's what we so were talking I, about, the, the show and so on. We figured, oh, well, we probably don't need much race coverage. I mean, how much is really going to happen in, at the Bahrain circuit? Uh, I was pleased to see, uh, we had some question about this at the last episode, whether or not they would use the like extra 72 corners in the kind of midfield in Bahrain, and uh, thankfully they didn't. Um, it's just the normal Bahrain track, which is at least better. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, with the, I guess, partly the, the lower temperatures, it caught people off guard a little bit with tires and uh, just kept things interesting. And then and then some technical failures and some good driving. I mean, it actually all kind of came together pretty well. And uh, 2012 just continues to have some pretty pretty solid races. So if even Bahrain is good, we might actually have a fun race in Valencia. I mean, that, that's probably too far. Okay. Well, all right, all right, yeah, right. Let's, that, let's, let's not... Let's not go too far. Well, the, here's the thing that's been really interesting to me about the races. We've had four different cars, four different drivers um, fit, win, four, win the first four races. I wonder how much of that is down to the track temperature and aggregate and the tire's reaction to that. And then really all it is is how does your car happen to be in those conditions, like how does your car suit the tire in those conditions? It seems like the tire is so sensitive that you can have a Sauber in second place in one race, a Renault in second place in another, um, you know, Ferrari winning, Red Bull winning, then McLaren winning, then Mercedes winning. You know, last weekend, or uh, Rosberg was dominant, and this weekend he was struggling to be in the front of the mid-pack. Yeah, so there's, I don't know if there's much science to it because it's these last-minute changes and these little few degrees, which, of course, the, the weathermen are never quite that accurate to be able to say exactly what's going to go on. Uh, you know, it sounds like even clouds going behind the sun for a minute or in front to, you know, shade the track is enough to mess up the tires, and it's just some amount of luck of just having your setup be the right one that uh, when the track actually happens, when you're out there doing the race, that it just happens to be <laughs> that you're, you're in the money. Exactly. I think, I, you know, from from my perspective, uh, what I've you know what I've read, um, I, th- I think that the tyres, the selections that Pirelli are bringing to to tracks, there's just not really enough between the two different compounds that they're tending to uh, to bring to the track that teams can maybe gamble to go uh, on a number of prime tyres compared to an option tyre. Um, there's so little between them to choose that. Um, an, a, a, team can't make a slightly unusual decision, take a risk and go for a tyre that all the other teams have said no, we'd never, we'd never make the distance on this particular tyre. Um, so the temperatures have been generally all over the show with regards to the first four races. Um, the tyres 
have got an, op uh, an operation window in terms of upper and uh, lower temperatures. Um, each team is seeming to be able to exploit a slightly different temperature range, perhaps. Um, you know, Bahrain's been moderately warm, um, fairly dusty. Um, maybe it's played into Red Bull's hands, but you know, certainly Lotus were, were not looking too um, untidy either. Well, and you can see that in the qualifying results as well. You had eight different teams in the top ten of qualifying. Uh, both Red Bulls made it, both McLarens made it, and otherwise, um, Mercedes, STR, Lotus, Sauber, Ferrari, and Force India were also represented in the top ten of qualifying. I, that, that kind of mix is unheard of in uh, modern F1. So that is really striking to me, and what I'm starting to get suspicious of is it's not really that the teams have all caught up and they're now really close to each other as much as the tire is so bloody sensitive that, just like you said, Jim, just a t slight different changes could make your car go one way or the other and come out really well. Or, or maybe the teams have caught up. I don't know. I think, I think it's going to take another, co another couple of races for the teams to really get a handle on, on quite how the tyres behave, to be honest. Um, you know, Pirelli have changed the compounds slightly for this year. Um, and the, the way that the tracks have worked out this year, um, they've been made a little bit unusual. Um, also, there's been a little bit of rule changing. Um, teams are playing around with, with getting with getting the car comfortable for both drivers. Obviously, um, you know, using uh, Hamilton and Button as an example, they both like their car set up in a slightly different fashion. Um, you know, Button prefers his car to be uh, a little bit more set up in an un understeering fashion, whereas Hamilton seems to not necessarily have a preference and be able to just um, drive the car that he's got. You don't tend to hear Hamilton complaining too much about balance for example. So the teams are having to set up a car to suit their driver, and they're also having to deal with tyre issues, they're also having to deal with uh, the situation that they've lost the exhaust blown diffuser, or certainly most of them have, certainly the, um, the front five or so teams have, have lost the majority of the, th the effect of that. So there's a number of things that they're having to, uh, to uh, calculate around. Um, so at the moment, I think they're, they're taking their best guess and it seems to be working out differently almost every week um, you know, seeing, seeing qualifying seeing the, the way that the races finish it's not all the teams going two by two to the, to the, to the finishing line um, it, it's, a complete, it's a complete mix up it's a complete lottery which um, for the armchair fan has got to be um, hugely enjoyable certainly people uh, that I speak to as a fan um, say that they're thoroughly enjoying this this season. Um, it's it's not boring uh, seeing one team um, always completing the race um, at the front. Um, maybe gets a little bit tiresome for 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 the average fan. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we may be with you know four races to go at the end of this season. Still, sort of. Well, we're going to see how every all the cars balance out. You know who's who's fast and who's not because it's just every race one by one it's all different results and it sounds like you know the whole thing is maybe the weather forecast leading up to the grand prix weekend is going to be the most interesting piece of news uh it's just <laughs> hard to say just with uh and, and again of course with the forecast we don't know who's gonna who's gonna be right in the sweet spot and who's not 
it's just uh you know it's still we don't there's no clear front runner and uh, like you mentioned as a fan um you know it's uh it's just probably the most fun way to do it yeah absolutely uh do you do you want to talk at all about uh, uh felipe massa he um he ended up doing okay this weekend and bahrain's been a kind track to him and uh I, he still ended up behind alonso but he scored points, which is his he, first of the season. He did. Uh, of course, he didn't qualify it very well, so he had an no. uphill battle uh, from his sort of his own doing. Um, but then, yeah, in the race, I uh, actually looked quite good. And yeah, Bahrain's been kind to him. He's had you know podiums and victories, and you know here he is just getting points, and we're like really excited. Wow, Felipe Massa's got points. You know, two, <laughs> uh, possibly more. Uh, as we mentioned just before recording this, we're recording this just after the race. Uh, we don't have the, the usual benefit of four or five hours having passed, so we don't know exactly what's going on with penalties. I think that's something we should talk about. Is uh, is kind of there's. I think three different, at least two different incidents yes. um, under I, investigation. I know yeah. I know three. It's the uh, Rosberg v. Hamilton, then it's mm-hmm. the Rosberg v. Alonso, and then it's Alonso's unsafe pit exit or unsafe uh, pit release. Un- unsafe release. Those yeah. Are the th- yeah, those are the three I'm aware of. And what's so by far the most interesting of the two is Rosberg's defense. Um, at that at that one point of the track where he really enjoyed taking a nice wide line right to the end of the track and he felt very confident that that was his prerogative and in my opinion had the audacity to yell at Hamilton for passing him off the track well it wasn't his choice to pass him off the track for a lark it was because he was pushed there because he was alongside Rosberg as Rosberg went right to the end of the track I'm having a hard time seeing how that was Hamilton's fault at all. Yeah, and I think the question might be, you know, uh, I don't think anyone's questioning besides maybe Rosberg that it was Hamilton's fault. But the question is, uh, was Rosberg doing something bad or was it just, okay, it's aggressive racing, but it's just racing. But the fact that we've got Rosberg doing that again and again causing problems and again some, running someone off the track, that it makes it a little bit less likely that it's just, oh, he's he's being aggressive, but it's he's just driving well. Uh, it looked a little bit more like, okay, this is this is his trick. This is his little, you know, I'm going to push this guy off the track. Hopefully he goes off into the sand. Um, it's not a barrier or anything there. Uh, it's not like a crash into the wall situation, but clearly it's very, very sandy right off track. I mean, that's what the surface is. And uh, and it was a very aggressive move, I guess, to put it kindly. It's, it's interesting because uh, the speed coverage was working hard to convince people that they thought they were suspicious of Hamilton's behavior to pass off the track, not Rosberg's behavior to block. That was hmm. Speed's contention. And then when they saw Rosberg do it to Alonso, they're like, oh, well, maybe maybe it's not quite that way. So uh, it's it's funny that we watch different coverage because... Uh, I think, um, I think it, it could be seen as a benefit if it was on a corner and he was cutting across the inside of the corner. But on a straight, um, you don't take to the... Not to the track uh, to to perform an overtaking manoeuvre unless you've um, got no other choice. Um, on the outside, so, no less. So to yeah, to drive around on grass or um, dust, gravel, whatever the surface is, other than tarmac, um, isn't your first choice as a racing driver. Um, you can crash or you can wreck your tyres. Um, so you're not going to say, I know what I can do. I can I can pull a stunt here to get myself in front of a driver. So that was really yeah. 
to def- to defend Hamilton. That was um, you know not his not his choice. Um, it's where he found himself to be. So yeah, he he did what he had to do, and he happened to be the wrong side of the white line. Um, I don't think it's necessarily um, anything that he needs um, uh, reprimanding for. And that's a good question. I mean, what would they tell him to do if they says, okay, next time Rosberg's running you off the road? Because uh, if he slows down, that sort of you know that sort of causes him his own set of problems with uh, with Rosberg trying to get around him, putting pressure there. Um, it's you know stay on the road would have been a collision. Uh, so it's not a not a clear like well, stop gaining advantage by you know not crashing into somebody. Yeah, I I agree. I, I, it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out, and if it, it's. I mean, it's entirely possible they call it a racing incident. I, I certainly don't want to see Alonso or Hamilton get any kind of penalties uh, as a result. Sounds like from uh, your side of the pond that uh, no one seems to be thinking that's the case. Um, but if it were so clear, I don't know why they had to wait till after the race to decide it, as opposed yeah. to just say Rosberg gets a stop and go or something, you know. Yeah, that's the frustrating part about it is that uh, they just went to investigate it after the race. So we, again, the race is over. We've seen the results unofficial as they are, um, but that may change. That's a lot more frustrating than saying, okay, he, someone either gets a drive-through penalty or, uh, you know, whatever it is, if it's a fine for the for the pit release or it's a grid uh, penalty for next weekend, whatever. Uh, you know, the fact that we don't know what it is uh, and we've got the results, but that it may change is, is really kind of annoying. And with all these investigations to happen after the race, it's, uh, you know... We, it's it's sort of tough because now it's out of the driver's hands. Uh, it's out of the team's. Uh, it's just it's just whatever happens down from the stewards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, we I think we have to give a strong shout out to Paul Deresta uh, to finish sixth in the Force India on a two stop strategy. Uh, very impressive result for him, and uh, well done. Indeed, there was. Uh, Let's see, I'm just kind of looking down the results here. We talked about, yeah, Vettel with the victory, and then the double Lotus podium is a huge deal for them. Uh, you know, they've been looking for the podium uh, so far this year and uh, just missed out last time with Kimi uh, falling all these places with his, when his tire strategy went wrong. So to see all that come, come well for them was good. Uh, behind them, we had uh, Mark Webber in fourth, like we mentioned, and then Nico in fifth. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, pa- Paul DeResta sixth there, and then Alonzo, Hamilton, Massa, and Schumacher starting 22nd and finished 10th not a bad way to go very unfortunate that he started 22nd uh, with a combination of uh, sort of a miscalculation in qualifying I guess we'll call it where you know he sat on his lap that he thought would be good enough and it turned out just barely not to be uh, right. to uh, to advance out of uh, out of Q1 and then yes. uh, and, but then to make the most of it and, and move forward on the grid and all that uh, you know did a, did a quite good job to make that happen Absolutely. So, um, once again, it was um, excellent to talk to um, to your fan that you found there in England. Um, I, and I think, in general, it was a great race. Uh, it'd be good to talk you and I once we are in the same country again. But maybe for now, do you want to move on to listener feedback? Sure. Uh, real quickly, uh, we've got the shout out to Paul DeResta. I've got one more shout out to make, and that is one to more. the Hornets as a group. Oh no. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, we've got uh, we've got four representatives of the Hornets here. You'll have to, I guess, speak loudly because uh, the microphone's over here to uh, to be able to be heard. But uh, 
as this is this is their one and only chance to officially be on the F1 show to talk about how great Christian Horner is. That's true. Uh, anyone anyone who followed us on the Facebook page is certainly aware of the Hornets. Um, they, you know, they're they're sort of friends of the show, uh, friends of, of of Craig the Killed specifically, and so on. But um, never actually been on the show. So uh, I guess to officially put them on the show, um, this is the Christian Horner fan club. Um, mostly women who are just nuts about Christian Horner and just everything <laughs> about that man, which is beautiful. You say mostly women. You say mostly women. Have you been converted over, Jim? No, there's a man with a skirt on uh, who's also a big fan. Sorry, I killed. <laughs> he protests too much. This is his way of speaking. <laughs> he's, he's got that Christian Horner fan club calendar under his pillow. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, that is an excellent place for safekeeping. So... Welcome to the show, uh, Miss Hornet representative. Uh, it, thank you for your continued support, and uh, it's great to have you on. Oh, thank you. It's a great podcast, and we all enjoy listening to it. And um, I've just been pushed forward as the representative today, so I don't think you'll get much of any sense out of me. Well, I, I have one quick question. Um, so Mark Weber is clearly a very dreamy individual, yet the Hornets are obviously really all about Christian Horner. What What is it about Christian Horner that really just puts him the top of the list? I think... Um Mark Weber, or Sexy Weber as we like to call him, has his fans, but we wanted to give Christian some support, and I think, you know, there's a lot about him, obviously the hair, um, his wit, um, his, um, (laughs) somebody said money in the background, not at all, (laughs) just his dry wit and his, his personality, we want to show him a bit of support. And uh, you guys so, have shown him quite what? a bit of support. There's been, you, you know, I, I guess when he did the run at Milton Keynes and so on, sort of, I wouldn't say assaulted by Hornets, but he was what um, he was made aware of the Hornets. Uh, you've, you guys have made some pretty good inroads <laughs> in terms of publicity. I saw uh, an F1 presenter with a Hornets badge on. Uh, what? <laughs> yes, we've, um, the press, let, let's just say the press have found it quite intriguing, I think. So they've tended to... Um, do a bit of research whenever they see the banner. So we've had a mention on BBC by Jake and um, a mention by Georgie and Ted on Sky. So I think it's time to give them a little bit of space now, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, ro- we'll roll out the banners again in the summer. What well, Once they've got a few more wins under their belt. Mm. Do you have any some- advice... Do you have any advice for the other team principals and how they might one day achieve getting a fan club of their own? Um, I mean, are there Bronettes somewhere? Well, yes. yeah, he, he's probably a close second. There, ha- there have been murmurings of a, a Martin Whitmarsh fan club. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think Robin may have already started the Martin Whitmarsh fan club, to be honest. <laughs> I think he'd be going a distance to get beyond 10. We're over 300 now, so 300 members now, so we're not doing too badly. What about one for one of the French team principals? No. 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 Yeah. Really, we'll never get any. 
there's a, a lot of politicians here almost uh boy between between just a fan over here and uh the <laughs> i guess the careful wordsmiths of the uh of the hornets here wow there's yes, there's yes. a lot going on their vp of communications is sharp there's no doubt about it yeah but uh, again, as sort of uh, friends of the show as a group, and uh, you know, we, we thank you for your support, and uh, certainly, you know, hosting, you know, me and Elena over here, it's uh, it's been great, and uh, you know, thanks for stopping by the podcast. No, you're welcome. We we all enjoy it a lot, so it's good fun. <laughs> thanks. Fantastic. Right. Well, let's hear from some more fans, uh, just not live this time, huh? Alrighty. All right, and as ever, it is time for our listener feedback, and uh, we've got uh, a lot of feedback since the last show. Uh, we've got people talking about our uh, level of professionalism, I guess, like we talked about in the last show on uh, our comparison to the professional podcasts and kind of where we fit in in the, the spectrum of podcasts and other, uh, I guess, even compared to coverage and things like that. Uh, so Chris Alsup uh, had a sort of a tongue-in-cheek comment where he says, can't believe that someone complained that the presenters were disorganized. Shame he decided not to listen to any more because he missed the epic r- reading results from the wrong race. Uh, which was all me. Um, <laughs> but it goes on to say, you know, the podcast is perfect. Uh, it's like having a chat with your mates down the pub, and uh, people make mistakes, get confused, and say, um, please don't change. And we appreciate that very much uh, because that's, that's what we're, we're going for is, uh, you know, it's having a chat with, uh, with your friends about what's going on with F1 and not too, not too serious and, uh, you know, I guess not too organized either. So I just wanted to mention, as I put on the, uh, on, on the page, it's, it was a severe misunderstanding of how our show works uh, for a moment that led me to my brilliant reading of Malaysia results during China or whatever race that was. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, you know, it happens and occasionally we'll edit that kind of thing out and occasionally we'll not, you know, it's just part of, uh, you know, the, the F1 show situation and uh, being our fan, you like, we like to show you behind the scenes a little bit every once in a while and, uh, you know, keep it interesting. Um, some other well, comments there's not from- much... There's not much that is behind the scenes, and that's kind of the point, right? I mean, we are – what's behind the scenes is the scenes. So yeah. we, uh, you know, we do our thing, right? Yep, and, uh, you know, we had uh, Eleanor Taylor uh, comment on the show as well. Uh, great podcast. Been enjoying them since the 100th episode. So a couple people that uh, found us around our, our live episode shindig. Um and uh, actually found out about the thirst through CKW. So thanks, Craig. And uh, – <laughs> <laughs> And uh, she says uh, she'll be marshalling at uh, at Donington, almost certainly in the rain on Sunday. Although it doesn't look rainy at all, well, maybe hard to say. Uh, but uh, but won't be able to join us. But uh, you know, it's cool. We've just got fans all over the place, and uh, that we've found a bunch of here. That's another hornet, yeah, and- by the way. <laughs> another hornet, then Eleanor is. And uh, I also want to give a thanks to Colin McKinstry. He actually wrote us two emails, and um, one of them uh, was a reaction to. Um, the complaint we got. He said, regarding the guy who said the show sucks, everything he complained about is what makes the F1 show worth listening to. It's not the most professional show, but that is the good thing about it. I'd rather listen to two friends chatting about their thoughts and having a conversation than the two of you reading a script of whatever. Gives the show some funny moments and some character. Uh, Anyway, keep on rocking. Still the best F1 podcast I have listened to. And then he uh, concedes that you've only listened to one other. So we are the best of two, at least, as far as Colin McKinstry is concerned. Um, I'll take it. So, uh, you know, the, the, the takeaway from that is um, the less professional we are, the better. So 
if we can be even less prepared, maybe that's an advantage. Well, this should be a very popular show then, uh, because <laughs> exactly. you know, with with my mobile setup here, we'll see how this all comes. But it's a little bit confusing for me, uh, not to mention the whole time zones and situation. But uh, that I'm hearing myself echoing back in my headphones the whole times, which is very disorienting. <laughs> I still think it's schizophrenia. Also, Colin McKinstry uh, emailed us a second time to say that he loved the, our, our Port Imperial Street Circuit video, and uh, he thought the video was great. So. Uh, just a reminder, if anyone happened to not know about it, we went to New Jersey a few weeks back and uh, did a lap of the upcoming New Jersey uh, street course and uh, made a video about it. It's on YouTube, and uh, we are now movie stars. It's really pretty amazing. But yeah, if you visit <laughs> f1show.com slash P-I-S-C, stands for Port Imperial Street Circuit, uh, that is that'll get you right to the video. You can check it out there, and uh, yeah, it's had a pretty good response. Uh, it was definitely a fun project to do, and uh, you know something unique that we decided to drive, you know, <laughs> hop in the car and drive out to New Jersey and map out the track and so on, and had some cool technology for it. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, be sure and do so, and you can get that right from the website. Absolutely, and then of course the Facebook page is continuing to blow up. Um, we're now up to I think it's. Almost 1,190 fans, uh, 1187 at the moment, and the conversation there has been a lot of fun and uh, interesting as well, especially leading up to the uh, controversial Bahrain Grand Prix. So um, definitely check that out. Be a part of the conversation there if you can. And, and the hub uh, for everything here would be uh, f1show.com. From there, you can comment exactly. on the posts right there. You can see the Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter, um, possibly someday Google+, but who knows. But, uh, yeah, just, you know, it's a sort of the hub for all the F1 show fans. And, uh, uh, you know, we get story ideas and stuff to talk about from the, from the Facebook page as well. So it's definitely sort of becoming a part of the show. Um, while we're on the topic of the 2013 uh, Grand Prix of America, which I think is the correct title for it, um, there's been this story that's come out recently with you know Bernie Ecclestone saying, "Oh yeah, tw- you know New-, New Jersey that might happen in 2013 or maybe 2014 or whatever," and just sort of this, um, you know, not not saying it's not going to happen, but definitely kind of casting some doubt. Um, do you are are you up on this? I am, yes, and I I don't know. I mean, we had the exact same thing happen with Austin. And, yes, there are going to be some local politics involved with any project like this, especially when you have, uh, you know, New Jersey folks seeing their uh, uh, quaint little state uh, torn up and getting ready for some dirty, dirty Europeans to show up. So um, we need to, uh, you know, we need to be conscious of that and just realize that it will most likely happen. Yeah, I think pretty much anything Bernie Eccleston says to the media, we don't take at face value, but think about, okay, well, who is he trying to manipulate with this? What part of some deal is going on where he just wants to get this story out in the newspapers and, uh, you know, kind of have things work towards his way? But uh, right, exactly. I guess maybe that's us being hopeful. Uh, like we said, when we were there, we could see the pit complexes being built. Uh, there's lots of money's already been spent on this whole situation, and it's not you know, complete vaporware, you know, it's not like it's, it's just been promised and nothing's been happening. It's, it, they have been working on it. And, uh, it, it seems like for the race to start paying back and start making money for all the p- people involved, they'll want it to start in 2013 as planned. So I'm still hopeful that it'll happen. Sounds like you are as well. And, uh, hopefully this becomes a non-story. Yeah. I mean, there's a PF Changs right there. It, it's going to happen. <laughs> PF Changs, man. <laughs> all right, let's do some predictions.
All right, well, since I'm rubbish at it, I will have you walk us through predictions and uh, how we did from last weekend in China. You know, I would be very okay with skipping this whole part. The only reason why I'm okay to actually go through with this is because you did exactly as badly as I did. Um, Michael Schumacher was both of our bets for pole in Bahrain. We felt that his qualifying continued to improve, that Mercedes has this great package for uh, qualifying with their double DRS, and we thought this was going to be an event where Schumacher really shows his stuff. Uh, not so much. He uh, didn't even get out of Q1 because he did his Q1 time early and then sat on it, and the track rubbered in really well, really quickly, and he ended up uh, being uh, pushed out by Hecky Kovalainen of all people, to qualify 18th. And then he decided to replace his gearbox. And uh, with all the shuffling around, he ended up 22nd on the grid, giving both of us 21 points to start. Um, for yeah, the, not the, a strong the start. Race to even start. And then we had uh, Mr. Lewis Hamilton uh, to win the race. And uh, he might not have been all that bad of a bet had he not spent half an hour in the pits today. And uh, having the race he ran, he ended up finishing 8th. That's another 7 points for us. We had 28 points each. That's a lot of points. Even worse, Damien uh, said, oh, Rosberg was on pole last time. Rosberg's going to be on a pole again. And Rosberg won the race last time. And Rosberg's going to win the race again. Not true. But um, Rosberg qualified and finished the race 5th, giving uh, the stat model a total of 8 points. He gained 20 points on us and is now ahead of both of us in the stats. Just one event goes wrong for us, and we are now both behind the stat model. You have 40 you, Yeah, the, the nature of these predictions, man, and especially this year, <laughs> you just yeah. never know. You have 44 points. I have 47. The statistical model has 43 points. Okay, so we're ultimately we're not that far behind, and with some brilliant human thinking and knowing that Vettel, Vettel, that's not going to continue, uh, we can be really smart and get all those points back. Um, also, I'll mention uh, pre- previous prediction, I guess reigning predictions champion, James Payne, um, did have Rosberg on pole as well, and uh, Button for the win, so... Ooh. <laughs> so he, uh, Button officially classified as 18th uh, so, yeah, that, that'll that at least skew the things a little bit, and it should keep things fun. The pain train is running on fumes, I think we can say safely. Um, however, it is time for us to move forward and once again predict the future, and I am very happy to let you go first. Yeah. That's you. That's you. <laughs> Anytime. Um, it's, yeah. What's the next race? Is Spain... It's mm. Spain, and it's after a test at Mugello, and it's three weeks from now. Every single so, team is going to bring like an entirely new car, practically. They're going to test it, and then they're going to run. So we're going to be predicting ahead of all of that. Ahead of all Good of luck. that. Good luck. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, too quickly jump on the whole Red Bull bandwagon. Um, obviously, they've had a lot of updates, and um, there's a guy here that's actually a really big fan of Red Bull. I don't want to say, of course, anything uh, bad about them. But um, I feel like McLaren is is going to be back at it with the updates. I know their drivers aren't going to the test. They're going to have their reserve drivers. They're going to have the cars. There's kind of a story there. But um, just to go ahead and put it 
on there. I'm going to say Hamilton for the pole and on to oh. win. And a win. I'm going to say that, it, that, that it happens, that we have our fifth driver win in the fifth race, and that that's going to be Lewis Hamilton. Well, there's the some, only thing there's I some c- reaction from the crowd here. There's, uh, <laughs> I'm not used to that, and it's not a good one. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, but the Christian Horner I, will still be dreamy, of course. So no, yes, no yes. question there. I'm going to put Christian Horner as the best looking guy in Spain. Yeah, um, for sure. But problem is, I'm 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 with you. It's it's. Oh, don't predict the same of me again. I have to. I have to. It's what I think is going to happen. I mean. The McLaren, I think, has the best foundation of a car. You're going to be back in Europe. And I'm sorry, it has to come Hamilton's way sooner. I mean, not only has he been patient and in dealing with all these problems, he's been consistent. He hasn't been yelling at the team. He hasn't lashed out. I mean, he's due. He's due. And I agree with you. I think it's going to be Hamilton, Hamilton. Oh, boy. Well, there it is. And as We're, always, uh, for all of our fans. Which what? means you are going to continue to be in the lead no matter what happens. Yeah, well, I guess I can take some solace in that. Um, for all of our fans, if you have not yet predicted, uh, definitely go to do so. It is on the Facebook page. So if you go to F1Show.com, you can click on Facebook right there. And there is predictions at the top of the page. You need to do this before practice because once we know how the tires are working, the temperatures and all that, that's you know too close to, uh, to cheating. So too go ahead support. and predict. Or, right. Uh, and we've, we, we're way out early uh, before the testing and the whole, the whole thing. So hopefully the McLarens are still good in a couple weeks' time and uh, things go well for Spain. Yes, well, um, it's been a very fascinating show. It's been a lot of fun to speak to some of the fans directly. And uh, uh, so it was a lot of fun for me. And uh, I really appreciate you uh, putting your brain together to make the technology work, Jim. And uh, it's awesome. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for for bearing with us, and uh, thanks to our live studio audience here. (laughs) Isn't that great? That's that's lovely. It's like we're on Wheel of Fortune or something. (laughs) Which one of us us is Pat Sajak and which one of us is Vanna? See, no one knows what we're talking about. Now, that's an American reference if there is one anyway. I've ruined it. All right, we need to wrap the show up. Yeah. All right. right. Well, uh, I will see you uh, at some point in the very distant future. But I'll talk to you uh, at the for for coverage for the Spanish Grand Prix. And uh, of course, oh, everyone, uh, stay yeah, tuned. I'm going to be out and of the country that time. Yeah, you'll be gone. I'll be home. Who knows what'll happen? It'll be fun. Maybe you'll have a live studio audience. But uh, in the meantime, <laughs> definitely keep in touch with us. F1Show.com, and uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks' time. I am Jim Lau, and I'm Robin Warner saying cheerio. Yeah.